I could not wait for fear to subside. And I think there's a lot of people that are standing on the sidelines of their own life, waiting for fear to subside before they step into the arena. And unfortunately, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. And, and action is what dispels fear. And a lack of action actually gives soil for fear to grow even stronger. And when we sit on the sidelines, fear gets it gets bigger. It's like a monster under the bed. It 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 grows the longer we ignore it. But when we take action, decisive action, um, specific action towards goals and dreams and desires, that's when fear starts to subside. But it doesn't start until we start moving through it. Fear stops us from achieving our true greatness. Are you a professional woman who is feeling stuck, unmotivated, or burned out? Are you worried about your wellness? Are you letting fear stop you from crushing your goals? If you answered yes to any or all of these, then this is the podcast for you. Dr. Charmaine Gregory, Night Shift Emergency Physician, Burnout Thriver, and Wellness Champion, along with everyday heroes just like you, will explore how to face fear in our lives and emerge victoriously. Dr. Gregory here. Did you know that I'm on YouTube as well? You can find me at Charmaine Gregory MD. See you there. Here. Hello, 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 Fearless Freedom Fam. This is Dr. G, and we are back for another exciting episode of the Fearless Freedom with Dr. G podcast. Today, we have none other than Chad Hufford, and he's here to talk to us about all kinds of amazing things. And so let's hear from you, Chad. Tell us all about yourself and tell us about all the amazing things that you're up to. Dr. G, it's a pleasure to be here and uh, share a little bit about myself and what I'm doing and, and hopefully uh, empower and, and educate your audience a little bit. And I'm a financial planner by trade. Um, I started doing this to help make sure people didn't run out of money in retirements. And what I've learned is that the job could be far bigger than that. It became more of a calling to make sure people didn't run out of purpose in retirement. So uh, my job is to help people create a more abundant life. I do that through finances and helping people create a blueprint for their, their money, but also a blueprint, a plan for their life. And it's a pleasure and honor to be here and share that with you. Awesome. 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 That's a big mission <laughs> that you're on it right is. now. Um, we're always curious about how do you even get into that? Like, how did you even decide to become kind of like a numbers guy? Right. I mean, to be able to, to help people with this kind of thing. I'm a coaching guy. And I love that you asked that question because I thought it was going to be more of a numbers thing. And my, my background is actually biochemistry. I have a degree oh, in biochemistry. That's cool. I have a degree in biochemistry, so I find that very cool. I I am all about the hard sciences and actually was in, in pursuing uh, medicine. And I was being mentored by several surgeons here in Anchorage, Alaska. And okay. I met the woman who's now my wife and realized that she wanted a family and a husband and not a surgeon. Um, not that you can't be a, a, a great parent, a great spouse, and be a great surgeon. I just know how I'm wired. And I, I doubted my ability to balance that. 
and a couple of my mentors. Uh, one was um, uh, he did he was uh, an eye surgeon, did a lot of orbital reconstruction. Another one was a general surgeon, uh, did a lot of trauma, and they both knew me well enough to know like that this is going to be a struggle for you. It's, it's the way you're wired. It's going to be hard for you to to leave time for family and relationships and um but i took a lot of that training and that background and also mixed that with some of my athletic background and even though i i have a lot of ability and maybe a natural tendency towards numbers and analytics what i've realized dr g is that that's not what this job is about because people people make decisions emotionally. Like that's the only way to get behavioral change is to connect with their heart. Now, we often will make emotional decisions and then justify them with analytics and numbers and all that. But most people, no matter what career, no matter how smart they are, how educated, still make emotional, emotionally charged decisions. So my job, I realized, was more coaching. It was not just educating people, giving them more information because rarely what people need in, in finance or in life in general, it's changing behavior. So if, if educating somebody is transferring knowledge, I look at coaching is the application execution of that knowledge. We've got to take this information and actually apply it to your life to get, get it working for you. So it doesn't just say, stay dormant. And that, and I didn't realize that going into this. And I've studied a lot of performance psychology, and I'm grateful to have a background in athletics because working with professional fighters, um, Olympic athletes, even some soldiers, I had a contract with the military to get uh, soldiers ready for deployment, working with airborne units. And I studied a lot of this performance psychology that now I'm implementing into my financial practice because it all goes back to retraining how we're looking at old circumstances and getting people to see old problems in a new light so they can start acting differently and, and making a positive change in their life. Now, that's amazing. And so I'm curious now, I mean, you mentioned several things. So of course you had me at biochemistry and then, uh, then, <laughs> then so, so it's to kind of walk us through it now. So you were, you have this biochemistry degree and you were looking at med school, but then you had some guidance from mentors knowing you that maybe this might not be the best path if you want to have these other things as well, which is beautiful. I mean, that's like really good mentorship because a lot of times mentors don't have that kind of insight to be able to really give you like the truth. <laughs> so that was fantastic. And so then, so now you're, you're done with college or grad school. And then, so how do you get into coaching soldiers and preparing them and doing this kind of thing? Like, how did that happen? Honestly, Dr. G, I think it was a God thing. Like it, looking back, I can see how all these things lined up at the moment. It just seemed very random. Um, I started working with some law enforcement professionals and they they heard about some of the athletic training that I was doing. And I started creating a, a good name for myself here in Anchorage. So let me back up a little bit. So I'm sitting there with a the biochemistry degree wondering, am I ever going to use this thing? And I wasn't sure the direction and pathway I wanted for my life. I didn't necessarily want it to be in, in fitness coaching or working with soldiers or anything like that. But it was a way for me to pretty quickly get some cash flow built up. So I'm sure. newly married at this point and I enjoy doing it, but it it wasn't something that I really knew how to scale at that point. And it was one of those, 
it was more of a job that I owned than a, than a business, right? Like if I wasn't working it, it wasn't making money. So it it was kind of a, it was kind of a short-term thing, but I really loved it. And it was important to me. And, um, so I was working with uh, some high level athletes, like I said, Olympic athletes, uh, some professional athletes, uh, some professional fighters. Uh, I told my kids the other day, like, yeah, your dad's been beaten up by UFC fighters. That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> but so then so local SWAT team heard about what I was doing and they started getting involved. And then we have a couple of military bases here in Anchorage, Alaska. And then the, uh, so the military kind of got wind of that. And they said, we want to take what you're doing and apply that getting people ready for deployment. We want to prepare, prepare their bodies, but also prepare their minds. Some of these guys have never been in combat before. And I was like, that's, that's putting a lot of my, on my shoulders, guys. Like, I I mean, it's one thing to get somebody ready for the Olympics or get, get them ready for, you know, a big fight, but getting somebody ready to actually go to war. That was, that was pretty sobering. Um, but then it prepared me though, I think to shoulder the burden I have now, where we have hundreds of families across the United States that rely on us for their financial independence. And that's a big burden too. So I I really see that as, as a huge blessing to, to learn how to carry that burden relatively early in life and to have people surrounding me that, that forced me to execute at a high level. And what's really cool, Dr. G, is some of those people they're still, we're still involved with today, even though that's not, you know, there's almost like a past life. Right. Um, some of those soldiers we work with, I'm still in contact with. And uh, a couple of them actually even joined the local police department and are, are uh, leaders within the, the SWAT team community. But uh, yeah, it's, it's been an amazing journey. And, you know, in, here's what you, you and I can really resonate with and appreciate. Like a lot of times in life, when, when things don't go the way we think that they should, we view that as a failure. We view right. it as a setback. Yes. But with the biochemistry background, I view it as an experiment. I went into it thinking my hypothesis may not be correct. The right. outcome may not be with us. So we're going to totally nerd out here. Just yeah, yeah, sorry, totally, audience. Totally, that's okay. <laughs> but, but my, but I've been trained for several years that, yeah, you, you plan out this experiment. You have a hypothesis, you have an outcome that you're hoping for, but what you're really after is to learn as much as you can through the process. Yes. And I'm not saying that failure doesn't sting. I'm not saying that setbacks don't hurt and they can, they can be, they can be, uh, burdensome you know but absolutely but but it wasn't I, I didn't look at failure as final I looked at it as an opportunity to learn from those setbacks from those distractions from those detours along the path that I thought was laid out for me but really I learned I think more from the detours oftentimes than I did from the path itself that is great and then I'm sure that there was some time that you were afraid during any of all of that <laughs> Still was am. there was there any fear involved or was it just kind of like oh, what was going to go down no. this route since that's kind of where we're, we're being guided now so when i started my practice uh it was 2007 and i didn't know it yet nobody knew it yet but when the 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 day i got licensed with it was within three weeks of the beginning of the largest financial oh, the meltdown crash. since the great depression yes. yeah i had no idea Nobody did. Yeah. So I mean, I yeah, went nobody, to all, nobody knew. all that. Yeah, nobody knew. <laughs> so. um, and I'm glad I didn't. You know, I probably would have 
figured out excuses to delay that. But I went into it and I um I didn't have a client base. I didn't have I didn't I didn't have any idea how to get clients. I was excited though. I had a lot of energy and enthusiasm, but I had a little baby on the way. Right. And we were entering the hardest investing climate that our generation has seen. And I was very, very afraid. And there was, there was a lot of imposter syndrome. And I even was told, you'll appreciate this as well yeah. because of your background. So one of the, one of the um, medical school professors at University of Washington, I bumped into him one time up here in Alaska. And he's, he said, you're not supposed to be here. You, you should be in residency right now. You have no business being here. This was a few years later. Oh, wow. But to hear from one of my old professors telling me, you should be in residency, you should be a physician, like that just ignited the fuel of imposter syndrome so much more. So there's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, And I still still feel some of that fear. I mean, even even this, this whole podcast thing, you know, putting myself out there, you know, people like you keeping my, my, me on my toes with good questions. I think it's a perpetual process of keeping myself outside of a comfort zone because the, the only difference between being in a groove and being in a rut is how long you stay there. Oh yes. <laughs> and, um, I, I, I was, I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with one of my kids. Uh, he's five and he's had some nightmares, you know, dealing with stuff little kids do. Yeah. And I told him, I was like, I, buddy, I need you to be brave. And he's like, dad, I can't be brave. I'm, I'm, I'm scared. I'm afraid. And I said, buddy, it doesn't mean you're not scared. He said, it's impossible to have courage unless you are afraid. If, if, if you're not afraid, then it's not bravery. What I need you to do is to still do the right thing in the midst of the fear. And that was a lesson I had to remind myself of over and over again. And I still do. I still do. Um, so what I, I think this journey for me, Dr. G has not been an elimination of fear but it's creating a better relation, a relationship with fear. Now that's fantastic. I love what you told your son. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, um, that's very, very helpful because I think people are always looking for, well, how do I, how do I go forward? I mean, I feel, cause a lot of times fear will cripple people, right? It will be yes. the thing that will stop them from moving forward and actually being amazing, right? Like, I mean, if you were to let fear stop you, you wouldn't be talking about what you do right now. Like you wouldn't be in this space. You wouldn't have made the impact that you made. And honestly, like, yes, you can make a great impact as a physician. You would have probably definitely made a huge impact as a surgeon. But just think about how many surgeries could you actually do compared to how many people you can actually help in this venue. You know what I mean? And then you're not just helping them, but you're helping like their families, right? You mentioned it. You said earlier that, you know, there are hundreds of families that you are responsible for, or you feel like you're partly responsible for, you know, their legacy, like their financial legacy, their financial health. And that's a huge ripple. That's huge because it's not just, the individual person that is whose portfolio is in your, you know, is in your, is in your umbrella, but it's their family and someone watching their behaviors and learning from them and so on and so on and so on. You kind of don't really make that kind of impact as a surgeon. I'm just going to put it out there. (laughs) 
So, well, you know, you know, it's 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 a very different, very different thing. So, but yeah, but you're right. We all have imposter syndrome. Like the person, even the person who is the most elite at the top of their game feels it. So it's just like having that wherewithal, like you did, of knowing that, okay, that's fine. And maybe that might have been a path for me, but I am pretty sure this is the current path that I need to be on. You know, so having that kind of like um sense of self it is it's pretty strong and that's that's why you're successful you know hey it's dr g and i just wanted to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode i'm so honored to have you here with me did you know that i can help you to get your own podcast started with my podcasting launch course for professionals, I walk you through everything you need to know about starting a podcast. I'm with you every step of the way from sign up to launching your show with five episodes ready to go. There's a done for you version that's also available. If you would just rather just do recordings and leave the behind the scenes work up to us, then that one is definitely for you. But either way, we've got your back here at Fearless Freedom with Dr. G. Oh, if you already have a show and you need production services, we have monthly plans available for you. So check out the links in the episode show notes for more information. Let's get back to the show. Well, I've been blessed to have a lot of good people around me, good mentors. And one of the things I learned early on is that I could not wait for fear to subside. And I think there's a lot of people that are standing on the sidelines of their own life, waiting for fear to subside before they step into the arena. And unfortunately, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. And, and action is what dispels fear. And a lack of action actually gives soil for fear to grow even stronger. And when we sit on the sidelines, fear gets it gets bigger. It's like a monster under the bed. It 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 grows the longer we ignore it. But when we take action, decisive action, um, specific action towards goals and dreams and desires, that's when fear starts to subside. But it doesn't start until we start moving through it. I love it. That's a gr that's great. <laughs> that's fantastic, Pearl. Um, I know the audience is like eating that up because man, always looking for ways in which you can approach it because it's like, I don't know, it's just, just so pervasive. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we are not taught as children as we're growing up to deal with it, you know, because you mentioned something I thought was quite interesting and, you know, like how we deal with failure, you know, it kind of like molds our direction because you can approach a situation. Maybe you feel like you are destined to do a thing for your entire life. And then you get to a point where something gets in the way of you achieving that goal. And you see that as the ultimate failure, you are not going to do this thing, or you could see it as well, this is actually a lesson that teaches me maybe I need to develop in this area and then maybe reapproach the situation or maybe look at it a little differently, maybe practice it a little differently. Like, so that ability to be flexible in your mind is not something that we are taught 
<laughs> unfortunately, growing up, because it's always like, I mean, I don't know what like your background is, but if you're a high achiever, usually high achievers are like, uh, you know, they're like results based, right? So it's like, you go, mm -hmm. you do the test, you get the A and you move on to the next thing. You know, you're not like thinking I'm going to get a B because that, that doesn't really like enter your mind because you're always shooting for that excellence. And so to have it a situation where you don't get that or you actually have a quote unquote failure, your first thought is not thinking about it as a growth area you're thinking about it as oh my gosh everything is like gonna fall apart everything else is gonna fall apart not that just this one thing this needs a little bit of attention like that's not how we look at it and that's not how we teach our children and so I think and this is part of the reason why like I tell my kids you know look if you fail it's not that you're not good enough it just means that you just need to grow in that area or you need to approach things differently and I feel like that like having that skill as an adult, it just allows for you to go farther and it allows for you to like be better. I don't know. But that's that's kind of what I saw, like from my own having to deal with my own failures and getting around it, getting over it, you know, walking through it um, and then ex expressing that to them and telling them, look, mommy failed in this area and this is how I dealt with it. You don't stop because you fail. You just keep going. Uh, and, you know, that I don't think is a skill that, is often um, addressed in childhood and it's often, you know, and it leads to unfortunately a lot of problems in adulthood. Uh, people have a lot of difficult time coping and uh, especially when they focus on only one thing. And if that thing doesn't come to fruition, they totally cannot deal with it and it has totally fall apart. I see it. It's crazy. Yep. <laughs> You, you just, I, you just identified so many things I struggle with because you're absolutely right. Like when you're going through your undergrad, you're going through even research and other things like that, you get immediate feedback and you, you and I, we both got used to getting good grades and people kind of looking to us like, Hey, you know, if we can't figure this out, our main, she's, she's probably, she could probably lay it out there for us it, just as good as the professor, if not better, you know? And, and I'll be honest, like there was some of that pride there too. You know, I was, I was being groomed and recruited to go to medical school. And I was thinking about, yeah, I mean, Dr. Huffer, that sounds pretty good. Yes. <laughs> and my identity, my identity was right. getting wrapped up in that. And I was used to, it definitely wasn't immediate gratification, but I was used to measurable success. I could see it. It was clear. It was tangible. You got your grades, you got letters back, acceptance for medical school, or you didn't, but it was, it was measurable. It was very clear. And I had to create a different way of counting wins. Yes. I had to count success differently because in 2007, 2008, I mean, honestly, for the first seven or eight years, a lot of what I did, Dr. G was jumping out of the bushes at people and saying, Dr. G, you don't know me. We were introduced by so-and-so. How would you like to entrust your life savings, your financial future to a complete stranger like me? And that is essentially what I was saying. As you can imagine, there's a lot of rejection. I heard a lot of no's. And I had I did completely change how I looked at success and wins because my progress was not as clear. It was not as tangible. And there might be weeks where I would talk to hundreds of people, get rejected, rejected, rejected. So I actually had to my success as the number of people 
that I offered my services to, not the amount of people that made appointments, not the amount of clients I got, but it was the inputs. I had to count inputs as the win, not the outcome. And that was a game changer for me. Um, you said something else about failure, and we're not taught this as a kid. And it's, it's not even it's not even human nature. Like it goes against how we are wired. Um, but do you know? Are you familiar with Sarah Blake, the the founder of Spanx? Very on a a lot on the periphery. I don't know the details of her story. Okay, so she is she she was the first female self made billionaire, and she is she i've not met her i've seen her in person i've, I've heard her talk she seems sweet and nice but she's an absolute bulldog she is well just, i think you have and, to be and, to get there and i mean that yeah she is tenacious she's sweet and tenacious got a great balance too but anyways uh one of the things that was super inspiring to me as a father is hearing her talk about her parents and her parents were there it was so cute she's speaking on the stage her parents were like off to the side clapping for her like she's a little kid at, piano recital she's a billionaire but her dad used to ask her when they were growing up her and her brother every i think it was every night at dinner just once a week but what did you fail at and she said he never was disappointed with whatever answer we came up with have anything if we came to the table and we didn't have anything he would say sarah if you don't if you didn't fail at anything you didn't challenge yourself enough. You didn't push the envelope enough. And he actually taught them to be proud of setbacks, to be proud of what most people call failure, because he he trained them to see that as a sign of them stretching themselves and then challenging themselves enough to at least flirt with failure. And sometimes sometimes you're going to slip over into the other side. And but he reminded yeah. them that's okay. That failure doesn't define you. In fact, that's what that failure is going to row you. So like he her father took a very intentional effort to create in them a better relationship with failure when they're very young. And that's a huge part of her success. But I, th- I think a lot of us as adults never establish that relationship. And we live in fear most of our lives. Yeah, not not as fantastic. I love that he does that. Hmm, I'm gonna have to try that with mine. <laughs> I'm always looking for different angles to like <laughs> to kind of like push them a little bit, make them more comfortable. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And then so yeah, no, I mean it's 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 such a and then I'm sure that you see this in your line of work now because their money is like such a funny thing, right? Because you mentioned that we make things, we make decisions on an emotional basis and mm-hmm. everybody's relationship with money. There's so much psychology behind that because like it can be your background, whether you came from a place of scarcity or abundance, like how you look at money, you know, it could mm-hmm. be like, I mean, there's so many layers to that and how people are stewards of their money usually has a lot to do with like, something deep rooted. So, you know, like I know some people don't even realize this. Like they may wonder, well, why is it that I never have any money? Oh, because, you know, maybe when you were younger, you know, you were told that, you know, you don't have to hold on to it. It'll come right back to you. And you just, you just like spend money willy nilly and you don't ever take a budget and all these things. I don't know. Or maybe you came from a situation where, you know, there was never any money around. And so all you do is save, 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 and you never, 
you never allot an amount for you to enjoy life while you're saving, you know? So those are kind of things that happens when people have like, uh, like there's like a background or like a, a history of their relationship with money. And I just wonder, cause I know that you, you ha heavily coach your clients. And I just wonder if you have to dig into like their, their emotions about money when you're, Absolutely. when you're, you're dealing with them. No, we, we, have, we get into it. We dig into it. And we try to do that fairly early on because if I'm going to make somebody uncomfortable, not everybody wants that. Not everybody wants to be coached. Some people just want somebody to come in, take control and, and it doesn't work, you know, cause we're talking about behavior change. You can give somebody better investments. That doesn't make them a better investor. Just like you, you can give somebody a better paintbrush. It doesn't make them a better artist. It's the person them, themselves that has to become a better operator of the tools you give them. Um, you wouldn't want me in an emergency room right now. Like it's, you know, you give me all the best tools in the world. I'm not a surgeon, you know? So it's how we operate with the financial tools that we were given. We are the biggest variable. And some people don't want to change. They want somebody else to fix it for them. And finances is a team sport. You have to have a coach. You have to be willing to be coached. It, 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 you have to have that teamwork there. And a lot of people walk around with a scarcity mindset. So one of the things that we do is really try to attach what they're doing to their future goals. Like, what do they want their life to look like if they never had to work another day? What what would wake them up in the morning and would, would keep them dreaming at night? Like, what who do you want to become? What do you want your life to look like? Where do you want to be? And attach what they're sacrificing for in the moment with something bigger than just not working. Because quitting work one day, not having to, to go to your job, that's not compelling enough. So we try to make the goal bigger and more tangible. And create this idea of a job optional lifestyle where they have the freedom and independence to do the things that they don't get a chance to do right now. But also working through some of those emotions of scarcity, because again, a lot of people do have those, those money messages they grew up with of scarcity and more money doesn't fix the problem. No, it does not. Yeah. So <laughs> it does if, not. it's just like, if you, if you take somebody who's a bad driver, you give them a faster car. That doesn't Getting solve to a worse accident. Exactly. You know, <laughs> you don't you don't give your teenage driver a Ferrari and expect like, oh, he's going to be a good driver now, you know, and it, it's the same thing with money. So um, a scarcity mindset is something that has to be worked on on an individual basis and something that has it, it's an emotional process. And if you take somebody with a scarcity mindset, give them a lot of money, they actually have more anxiety because now they have five million dollars to worry about losing instead of. 50,000 or we you know whatever the numbers are, it, it makes a bad problem worse. And, and it actually, I think, creates even more fear because people think that more money solves the problem. And then when they get it, it doesn't satisfy. And they're like, well, that was my only idea. So I guess more money, 5 million didn't do it. So I need 10 million. And they're chasing. It's like, it's like going, it's like chasing a sunset or chasing the horizon. You're always going towards it, but you never actually get any closer. You, mm -hmm. you, you don't actually see any progress. So the change has to happen within. And I'll just give you a short story yeah. uh, with myself growing up. Uh, we, we grew up, we were, very, we were very privileged. My dad wasn't super wealthy, but he had a well-paying job. I had two parents that loved me and we always had enough. We always had enough. But my mom 
used to rinse out uh, Ziploc bags and she used to wash paper plates and wash silverware. And I remember one time I was probably nine or 10 years old and she had these Ziploc bags that were holding raw meat because you know, we had, there's five of us kids. We were a Costco family. You buy it in bulk, you put it in yeah. small packages. So she had raw meat and she rinsed out the bag and then she put rolls in it. And again, I'm like nine or 10. I don't know anything about you know, microbiology, like mom, something's not right about this. Like, I think dad is doing a little bit better. We could probably throw away the Ziploc bag that had the raw meat. And for a while, like growing up as a teenager, I was pretty hard on my mom because she had such a scarcity mindset. But as an adult, what I've learned, Dr. G, what I've thought about is yeah. my mom was raised by depression era parents. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Her parents yeah. saw their parents lose everything. Yeah. Not only that, when my mom was a teenager, during some of the most impressionable years of her life, while she was trying to save for college, get ready to go to college, she did end up becoming a nurse. But while she was preparing for that, her dad, my grandfather, went bankrupt, lost a chicken oh, no. farm and a dairy ranch, lost everything. So not only did her, not only did her parents grow up in an environment where they saw their parents lose everything, my mom saw it too. My okay. mom saw my mom saw them completely financially devastated. And I don't think I appreciated that. And, I, and it, she still struggles with it, unfortunately. And we're, we're trying mm. to get her to grow out of that. But, but when you have those things happen, that, that yes, type of financial trauma, mm -hmm. yeah, you can't pretend like it doesn't exist and more money, a bigger bank account, larger investments that doesn't fix the problem it has to start in the heart and in the mind. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, no, that's that's very compelling because yeah, I could see why she does that, why she did that. Wow, yeah, well, but, she was, uh, and then she probably didn't even realize how dangerous that was. I mean, you guys are fortunate you didn't get really sick. No, I know. It, well, it, we it, was, it was very possible you could have gotten extremely ill. Probably really good immune systems now. Because apparently, of, you know, apparently, I, you know we, but you know we used to, you know, some of them were just just thrifty, but that and that was an extreme example, but. Sure. But, you know, I mean, we, we used to, my mom used to drive around town in a 1990s suburban that got like eight miles to the gallon, drive around town to try to save a few cents in gas. And it was just like, it actually worked against her. Yes. because but, you're... <laughs> You know, oh, but it was, but, but that's what she, but she was so afraid of, of money being spent unnecessarily. And again, it's that yeah. scarcity mindset. And a lot of people have that Dr. G and it's, mm -hmm. they're, they're so afraid of losing their money that they never learn to use it. They never right. learn to utilize money as a tool to build a better life. So that's a lot of what we do is, is not just giving people the tools, but changing their mindsets and perspective towards money. So money can build freedom and abundance in their life and not be a, another reminder of scarcity. Wow. Yeah. No, that's, that, like I said, when we first started important work. <laughs> yes. Oh man. So now you have to tell everybody how they can, um, because I know that they're like, they're like listening to every word and they are, they're really vibing with you. Um, so you have to tell them now how they can get in contact with you. Easiest way to get in touch with us is our website. It's veritasalaska.com. Uh, we also just in the last couple months started getting really active on Instagram and trying to every day put something up there that's encouraging, that's empowering, um, that helps people create not just a better mindset for money, but but a better mindset for life and 
and creating a, a better relationship with their future self. So they can follow us on there as well. And, and uh, if you have questions, uh, do not hesitate to reach out. We're happy to help. And do you mind spelling Veritas just so? Yes, it's yeah. V-E-R-I-T-A-S-A-L-A-S-K-A, -A -A Veritas, Perfect. Alaska. Perfect. That is fantastic. All right, Chad, we are at that part of the show where we have our tradition. Are you ready? You ready oh, for fill the blanks? Okay, awesome. All right, so the first one is, if I am fearless, I will. Continue to instill courage in others around me. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. The next one is, to me, fearless freedom means. It, it means walking forward in the face of fear to a destination is meaningful and important to me. Awesome. 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 And then the last one is, my battle cry is. You are the biggest variable to the success and failure of your life and ultimately the trajectory of where your life goes. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Chad, for spending time with us here on the Fearless Freedom podcast and with the Fearless Freedom tribe. We appreciate you sharing, you be vulnerable, and you dropping all the nuggets that you did. And I know, I know, I know, I know that you're going to be getting some hits from this episode at veritasalaska.com, right? Did I get that right? That's correct. Yes. Awesome. 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 And well, then go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, well, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been a blessing. It's been uplifting to me. So I appreciate you having me on and give me the opportunity to speak to you and your audience. Well, we are glad to have had you on. Thank you for spending the time.